T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 7 o'clock, Sports Radio 94, WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That is how you hop aboard on this Tuesday night. A lot to talk about. And I got to tell you, I'm um, I'm disappointed to to be here tonight. Not, not that I don't want to hang out, not that I don't want to talk and, and, and do this show, but you know what this means? Like, usually when baseball season ends, I'm really fired up because that means that the evening show comes back on a, on a more regular basis. We get, you know, four full nights a week or whatever. We got Thursday night, Monday night football, but we're here, right? There's no more baseball, no more games take us off the air for four or five hours at a time, so we're here full shows. But this one's bittersweet because the end of the baseball season meant the end of a World Series that ended in difficult fashion, in one that was like the Phillies had a shot to capture a World Series championship, and they came up just short. So yesterday I had a chance to be on with uh, with Joe DeCamera and Ferrici and gave a lot of my thoughts on the game and what happened Saturday and, and kind of the the overarching feeling on this team and the, and the special, special run the Phillies had. And, and we'll look forward here. We're going to do some special stuff coming up next couple of days, looking forward, off-season stuff, what they could do, how they can go from where they are now to actually having a parade here in Philadelphia in the next year or two. So we'll get to all that. But I, I do think, especially because I wasn't on last night, we had you know Monday Night Football on last night. So the evening show didn't get a chance to, to discuss this last night with, with you guys, the audience of this show. I think it's worth one more discussion uh, on how you're feeling and how we're all feeling You know, about 70 hours or so since the Phillies were eliminated and the, and the 2022 World Series ended. And I really think when you when you look at Everything. When you look at everything when it comes to this run and how it ended and game number six and the way the Phillies took the lead and the way the Phillies lost that lead in the bottom of the sixth inning with the Alvarez home run, it really comes down to this when you think about it for me. And and what's your greatest emotion right now? Like we all have emotions. Everyone has emotions that watched the way the World Series went. Everyone has emotions that watched the way this whole thing played out. And I, I, I think there's two. I've listened to WIP since I, I was on with Tom Kelly Saturday night, right after the game. We did the final, final out of the year, and then I was on yesterday with Joe DeCamera from ten to two, and I've been listening today. And I think there's really two overarching feelings I keep hearing from this fan base, and it's the frustrated side, and it's the proud side. The frustration that is obviously evident because of the way that game ended, because of Rob Thompson's decision, whether or not you agree with it, it obviously didn't work out. I mean. Ultimately, big decisions by coaches or managers are, are driven by results. Now, you, right process, wrong process, whatever. If Alvarado got out of the inning, no one's screaming about it on Monday, even if they lost the game. He didn't get out of the inning. Gave up a home run to Alvarez, so everyone's frustrated. I think too much frustration towards Rob Thompson, but that's fair. That's fine. He, he made a decision. It didn't work out. That's his job as the manager to push the right buttons in those moments. So the frustration is there. The frustration for me is there watching this lineup just stink for the past three or four games uh, you know, of the series. Just absolutely stink. They had nine hits from the sixth inning of game three on. So I feel that frustration. The frustration I felt, and it's there, I think we all have it because they were up to one, and it felt like they could actually win the World Series, and then it didn't happen. They lost three straight games. But the, the feeling that I have that is greater than the frustration is I feel proud of this team. Proud of this franchise, where they where they turned out to be, where they went, where they got close, what they got close to doing, which is win a world championship. I mean, you know how I felt about the Phillies down the stretch of the season. I didn't believe in them much. I didn't. I'm the moron that sat here and said, ah, I don't even make the playoffs. Not even worth it. Okay, and they proved me wrong on that. It it was obviously worth it. They went from a team I didn't believe knew how to win to a team that was on the precipice of winning something special. They learned how to win, came together. 
and became the kind of team that I liked watching. Now, were they still frustrating? Yeah, they strike out too much. Yeah, their defense isn't good enough. Yes, all those things that were present all year didn't just magically disappear. They're not a completely different team now than they were, you know, on September 28th. Same team, just, you know, they learned how to win and navigate through this and took the first step, hopefully the first step, towards becoming a champion at some point soon. But the feeling I have that is is more than the frustration is the feeling that I'm proud. 215-592-9494. We are about 70-ish hours since the Phillies got knocked out and lost the World Series to the Houston Astros. Which feeling is stronger for you right now? Like when, you, when you're thinking about this, and the reason I wanted to bring this up and talk about it tonight is I don't think it's over. Like when it's, you know, if the Phillies had gone out in the first round or the second round, would we still be talking about the emotions of it three or four days later? Probably not. But this was like a month of emotions building and building and building and building. And this team and what they meant to the city over the last month, it took on a different kind of life. It really did. The, you know, the games at Citizens Bank Park, the camaraderie that they showed, the camaraderie I think it brought back to Philadelphia in the month of October with baseball being alive again in this town. It was just different. Everyone I talked to, not just here, but everyone I talked to was so invested in this run. I mean, it just was – it was everything – here in Philadelphia over the past month. And that, I don't think that goes away in, in a couple days. I don't think you just snap your finger and say, all right, I'm out. I'm done now. You know, baseball season's over. Wake me up when spring training starts next year. I, I don't think it works like that after a trip to the World Series and it went six. The Phillies were up to one. This wasn't a clean sweep and they did not compete. No, they came back for five runs down in game number one. They won game number three at home. They were up two to one. They had chance after chance after chance in game five and ultimately had a a lead in the sixth inning of game number six. All those things are facts. And I think when you have all those things, it leads to emotions that don't just go away. So what's the feeling for you right now? 215-592-9494. As you think back and kind of have had a, a couple days to collect your thoughts on this, which emotion is stronger right now? Is it the frustration that they didn't get this done, they had a chance to get this done, that they that they couldn't pull it off? Because this wasn't a clean sweep. It wasn't like they got just outed four in a row out of the World Series and then we would have said, all right, they didn't belong in the same field. No, they belonged in the same field. The Astros were better, but they could have won the World Series. At one point, they were the favorites within the series to win the World Series. But I, I just think to this, they lost to a better team. That team had an all-time great pitching staff. The Astros were built to take advantage of the weaknesses the Phillies had, which was lack of bullpen depth and defensive issues and strikeouts and, you know, up and down the lineup, swing and miss. That's what the Astros are built to take advantage of teams like that. And ultimately, I don't think the Phillies lost to a team they should should have beat. Could have, yes. Could have. But I don't think they lost to a team they should have beat. I walk away from the, the entire postseason saying, I'm proud of that team. Like they got, they reached as high as I think they possibly could have. Like I thought they reached their ceiling. You know, I thought they could beat the Cardinals. I thought after game number one, they had a real chance to beat the Braves in a short series. I thought they would beat the Padres. I thought they were better than that team, despite you know the Padres having home field. I didn't think they were better than the Astros. I didn't think they should beat the Astros. And ultimately, I don't think it was a Rob Thompson decision. I don't think it was one moment here. I think it was just over six games, the better team just beat him, just played out. I can live with it. I can walk away and say, you know what? They got there. They weren't as good. They had a great run. I hope it's the start of something special for years to come. And we had some amazing moments. I The, the feeling I have right now, a few days later after game six, is I am proud. That's the, that's the emotion I have. 215-592-9494. Happy I got to be part of this, smallest part as you can imagine, but just some part of it that we got to talk every night about the Phillies and, and do shows before and after games. And and I'm proud of the team more than I am frustrated. Tucker, where do you lie on this? A few days after the Phillies lose the World Series, our first chance on the evening show to talk about this, are you more in the camp of frustration or proud? No, I'm still frustrated. And, and I wish and I envy the people who are, are proud and have been able to, to put this behind them. Like, I, I wish... I felt that way. I really did. I, I wish I wasn't lying awake at night and, and thinking and, and, you know, having nightmares about Jordan Alvarez, who was someone heading into the postseason. I said, my God, that's one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen in my life. And sure enough, he, he's going to haunt me for the next 50 years or so. But they were so close. And you can use the term house money. You can use the term gravy, whatever you want to use. 
I know the Phillies weren't supposed to be there, but were they that big of underdogs? I mean, they had the fourth highest payroll in baseball. You go back to March, people were betting on them to win the World Series. I know it seems foolish when you look through the lens of, you know, June and July when they weren't over 500, but compared to what their, you know, preseason expectations were, this was a team that was expected to make the postseason. This yep. was a team that was put together to make a run into October. And I look at everything that went right in that run, and they still came up short. You know, I think back to when, when Gordon Hayward left college. You remember how his college career ended? The shot that rimmed out. Right. And, and I remember, I think it was Sports Illustrated, asked his dad when he had declared for the draft. I said, well, why, why is he doing that? He still has another year of eligibility. He said, well, do you want him to do all of that? Do you want him to, to win the conference tournament and, and make it to the Final Four and make it to the National Championship and then make the half-court shot? Or do you want him to move on and... I feel kind of the same way about the Phillies. Like, are, are they going to come back from 2 nothing down with one out in the ninth inning? Are they going to be able to come back from 4 nothing in the first inning, the NLCS? Are they going to be able to come back from 5 nothing down in game one of the World Series and then win two more games? Or is this it? Like, I, I think this team on paper can get better. And I think they're going to use this offseason to really improve. And whether that's adding someone like Trey Turner, whether that's trading Reese Hoskins, whether that's improving the defense, the back end of the rotation, whatever it may be. I do think this team's going to get better, but as we look ahead to 2023 and beyond, are they anything better than a second wildcard team right now? Are they going to beat the Braves and Mets, who both won 101 games, even if you include the Phillies' wins in the postseason, still had three more wins than the Phillies all season? I just, I hope this is a step forward and a sign of things to come, but I don't know. Are you going to do all of the things you did in the last three months and then win two more games? Because I don't know if they can. Yeah, I don't know either. And and as Howard mentioned to us last hour, it is very hard. It is very rare for a team to lose the World Series and then come back the next year and win it. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop board to start this hour of the show. Where are you right now? Three days after what was a, a difficult loss. I mean, let's just be real. The Phillies were up. The, the Zach Wheeler decision, we'll talk about it. I think Rob Thompson's gotten way too much flack for a decision that I don't think was as ridiculous as it's being made out to be, but it didn't work. I mean, the bottom line is it didn't work. Rob Thompson's call to go to Jose Alvarado didn't work. The Phillies lost the World Series. They get up the big home run to, to Jordan Alvarez. But, but I, I sit here tonight with you a few nights later, and I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of where they went. Where They went from being a team I didn't believe was filled with winners to a team that learned how to win on the biggest stages, learned how to win ninth inning in St. Louis, Learned how to win ninth inning Atlanta game one, the catch by Castellanos. Learned how to win here back at Citizens Bank Park, the first postseason game they've had in Philadelphia in 11 years. And Reese Hoskins hit the home run, and away they went. Learned how to win in a closeout game against Charlie Morton. Learned how to win in San Diego against the Padres to steal home field advantage. Learned how to win down four runs in game four of the second round of the NLCS against the Padres. You know, when Bailey Falter gets knocked out of the game, they learn to come back and win that game. Learn to win in the clincher against the Padres in game number five with the home run we'll remember forever by Bryce Harper. And learn to win in game one down 5 nothing against one of the greatest pitchers ever in Justin Verlander. I'm proud. I'm proud that a team that couldn't get out of their own way, that tripped over themselves every September for five years, got us to the brink of a championship. Because that wasn't my expectation. It wasn't. And, and maybe it became a, a possibility. It became an expectation maybe when they went up 2-1, to one, like this is really going to happen. But I, I'm proud of what they accomplished. I, I think what they gave to the city for the last month has been incredible to be, to be any sort of part of this. And ultimately, I walk away saying, I, I'm going to remain proud of the 2022 Phillies. But I understand where the frustration comes from. 215-592-9494. Where are you right now? The frustration still from not winning it or being proud of this team for what they accomplished here in the postseason. Let's talk to Matt, who's up on WIP. Hey, Matt. Go on, Joe. Hey, Matt. What are you thinking tonight? Uh, I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud of the team. I, I enjoyed every single second of it. I'm disappointed that you know we couldn't pull it out, but man, we had so many opportunities. Um, yeah, sometimes things just don't break your way. Um. But I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of, of this season. I'm proud of this team. Yeah, and I think but, what you said there, Matt, before you make your next point, at some point the breaks stopped going their way. You know, you think about that game five, 
And there were so many little plays there that changed the game. You know, the ball in the first inning that gets past Marsh. Obviously, the play that Reese can't make. And then the, the Astros made two of them, right? The Chas McCormick catch, which is incredible. And and Mancini at first base on the Schwarber play. I mean, the Astros made the two plays, and unfortunately, the uh, the Phillies couldn't. Yeah, yeah. So, looking looking ahead, because uh, I know, you know, obviously, come Thursday, the, season, the, the new season begins. Um, I have a couple things on my wish list. Mm-hmm. Keep your thoughts on this, okay? Um, one, I say we trade Reese, trade Reese Hoskins, and there's a perfect team that, that needs a DH. It's the Houston Astros. Well, they do. I mean, are you? do you have something in specific you want back, or just you think that's the uh, landing spot for Reese? No, no, no. I, I would like one of their relief pitchers. Well, they have like eight of them. They might be, they might be willing right. to part with one, yeah. Right, right. So I say trade Reese to Houston for a relief pitcher, okay? I want Trey Turner. Uh, I would love to get Carlos Radon. Mm-hmm. And if at all possible, Anthony Rizzo. So Matt, I, it's interesting you brought that up. And and look, would I take that? Would I take that off season? Absolutely, Matt. And I appreciate the phone call. I would. I mean, I would do that. So Rizzo's a name I think is really interesting. If the Phillies do trade Reese Hoskins, I would be all over the idea of Anthony Rizzo. He's a guy that is a winner. He's won. He played with Schwarber in Chicago, played with the Yankees the last couple of years. He's been in the playoffs like every year of his career. He's a really good player. I think he brings um, excellent – or he's still really good. I don't know if he's still excellent over there, but he's still a really good defensive player, like a, a meaningful upgrade at first base over Reese Hoskins. He gets on base. He doesn't strike out much. I think of all of the – now, because the weird part about trading Reese is, and although I'm in the camp trade Reese, it's like, okay, then who plays first base? Are they moving Bohm over there? Are they trying to get one of their corner outfielders to first base? Do they think one of these guys could do it, whether it be Schwarber, Harper, Castellanos? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if if any of those guys could, could handle the position and play it well. Or if none of those things, then they have to go get a first baseman. So it would create a hole they have to fill. I, I think Rizzo would be an excellent fit here. I'm in. I agree, too. I mean, do you worry about your offense becoming maybe a little left-handed heavy with him, Harper, and Schwarber all kind of sitting there at the top? But at the same point, he he adds something that this team hasn't had in, in a long time, and that's good first-base defense. I mean, who's the last decent first baseman the Phillies had from a defensive standpoint? Rico Bronia? That's Travis what I was going to say Rico Bronia. Lee was, Lee was a good, had a good glove. Lee. But, I mean, that's it. I, I was – Second grade, maybe when when Travis Lee played. Man, I liked Rico Bronya. <laughs> Rico could scoop it over there, but now we're talking about thirty years ago or uh, twenty five years ago. It's, it's been a long time since they've had uh, you know well above average defensive first base. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's interesting. Now that's a very expensive off season. Do the Phillies have? I mean, listen, I've said this for years. John Middleton's money, he should spend it. It's not my money. So there's no salary cap. It's a luxury tax. Spend what, spend when you need to spend. Sell a couple extra cigars so go you ahead. can afford these guys. Go ahead. I mean, they're going to sell more tickets next year. Yeah, but Turner, Rizzo, Rodon, and we're talking about between the three guys, probably upwards of $80 million per year. On the, I don't know how each would get different lengths of contracts, but that's how much those three guys would add to the payroll. You're probably thinking 30 for somewhere in the 30-plus range for Turner. Um, same, similar for Rodon, and then you know probably twenty a year for Rizzo. I mean, it, it, on a shorter term deal, but that's that's a lot of money. But yeah, I'm, if you want to do it, I'm in two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Disappointed or proud? Which feeling is stronger right now for you? As we reflect on the twenty twenty two Phillies, let's go to Frank, who's in Beachwood. Hey, Frank. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Frank. Going? What's up tonight? What are you thinking? Well, I got a couple of points to make. Okay. First point, and I have a couple, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. First point is, you know, the Phillies, when they get in, when this happens, we got to look back to 76. I'm a longtime fan, by the way, all my life. 76, 77, 78. They were, they were not in the World Series, but they were in it. 1980, won the championship. 83. Then we go back to 2006, 7, 8. That team... They were, when this team gets in it, they get committed to excellence and bringing the people in, filling the gaps, filling the holes that take part of it. That's my first point. Second point is, okay, we got a situation, first base, Reese Hoskins. Daryl Hall is in the minors. He came up for a little while. 
I know he he's a first baseman. He's a heck of a hitter, and he got the use. And I believe that Thompson, what this team is built around right now, and bringing up the young players, and of course there's trade value for Reese. We'll get back pitchers or whatever we get back that's sustainable. There you go. They will they, they will do it. Dombrowski will do it. They'll get the people in, and I just have a I'm optimistic about the next three four years. Very optimistic. Well, I think you That's should. Yeah, yeah, you should be, Frank. And I appreciate your phone call. I mean, there should be optimism after what they did. Now, Tucker made a point that is is a good one earlier, and it's true. They could get better and not go as far. It's hard. We just watched it this year in look at the National League. The Dodgers were were way better than the Phillies. I mean, significantly, they didn't go as far. The Braves better than the Phillies. They beat them. The Mets better than the Phillies. They didn't go as far. So, like, it's it's not. There's a real chance they win more games next year. They win 90, 91, 92, and don't go as far. I mean, that's that's baseball. So will they get better? Will they improve the team? Will they use the goodwill and the money they that they kind of fell in their hands this month to improve the team? Yeah, I'd be surprised. Like, they're, they're 60 millions falling off their books. They're going to get some players here. It's a matter of do they win a championship? Do you think Daryl Hall can play first base? Daryl Hall? He's 76. Or uh, Derek. He said Daryl. Uh, I was going to ask if you also wanted to sign John Oates to play center field. Uh, you know what? Not Johnny Oates, right? The former manager of the Rangers. No. Okay. I, I don't. If I'm if I'm right on this, I don't think Johnny's with us anymore either. So he he's off the table either way. Johnny Oates, former manager. But I will say on the D- Derek Hall point, I like Derek Hall. I think he hit righties. I don't know if he's an everyday first baseman, and I'm not sure if he could play the position defensively. We didn't get a chance to see it this year. So like. If they're moving on from Reese, I want a guy like Anthony Rizzo, better defender, just as much power, but you know, better eye. Like that's the kind less strikeouts. That's the kind of guy I want to come play first base next year. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 gets you aboard. Proud or frustrated? Where do you lie right now on this team as they, you know, three days ago lose the World Series at game number six? Like, what is the emotion now they have had time to cool off? Is it still the frustration from how it ended, from being up 2-1 and basically going ice cold for three straight games? Or is it being proud of a team that won an incredible run and gave the city an incredible month of baseball? I've, I feel more proud than I do frustrated. Tucker, I know, is still very frustrated. We'll come back. Your phone calls. There is one thing I am frustrated with. And I want to bring it up when we get back. And it is what I consider over-the-top blame towards Rob Thompson. I don't care if you didn't agree with the decision or you did on Saturday night. And I, and I feel like most people did not agree with his decision to pull Zach Wheeler. But the amount of blame towards Rob Thompson for his role in the Phillies losing the World Series, I believe is over the top. We'll get into it. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Start NFL Week 10 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, America's number one sports. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sports. Look, on Thursday, I'll go with the road team to win and cover the number. Over on Kyle Pitts receiving yards. And give me an anytime touchdown score for, for Tyler Algier. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94WIP. Sign up promo code Gilio if you don't already have an account. I really like the FanDuel app. If you already have FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in to see what you got. Make every moment more FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Tell you how poor. We got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of Phillies. I will um, later on in this show give you my my order uh, in terms of the top of the shortstop market, who the Phillies could go after. I, I'm going to rank them in terms of the guy I want the most, the guy I want the least. I mean, they're all really good players. It's almost like there is no bad answer to this, but I'll, I'll rank the shortstop possibilities. I think that's the most likely area the Phillies attack and try to get a big name at in the, at the shortstop position. So we'll get to that. A pro football focus guest coming up at nine. Until then, we talk Phillies and just talking through our emotions a couple days post the end of the World Series here. And, and my number one emotion is is pride in this team and what they accomplished more than any frustration I have. I'm not saying I'm not frustrated. I think everyone walked away from that game Saturday. The series it was frustrated. I mean, I'm actually more frustrated with Game Five than I am Game Six. I, I, game Five, they should have won. Like that game. I'm frustrated with Game Four. Well, they got no hit. That's pretty bad, too. But game five, they should have won the game. They had opportunity after opportunity to win that game. That way, like, you know how we all have private moments? Like, I didn't say it on the air before game six. But you know how you always kind of, like, in your back of your mind, your gut, you know when a team is, they won. They got it, right? That you feel that way, like, watching an Eagle game or a Philly game, they got it. Or you feel the opposite, like, that. that's it. They just lost the game. I said to myself before, when I turned the TV off on, after Game 5, they just lost the World Series. Maybe I didn't express it out loud in a sentence like that, but that's what I felt. Like, that was the game they needed to win to win the World Series. So that That's my frustration is there. But I, I feel more of a sense of pride than I do frustration. Tucker feels the frustration. Where are you? 215-592-9494. All right, a couple things. When you call in, I also thought it would be fun to relive some of these great moments. And we're probably... You know, who knows how long we'll, we'll kind of be in this this mode and the zone of, of the Phillies still on top for a mind. So I, I don't want these moments to just disappear, right? I don't want them to be like, oh, yeah, remember when that happened in October? So why don't we have one more night where we relive this? So when you call in tonight, give us your favorite moment of the postseason. And how about we do it like this? Just ex- other than the Harper home run. I, I think it's pretty clear that the number one moment of the run was the Harper home run to beat the Padres in Game 5 of the NLCS. That's it, right? That's the number one moment. That's the one that will live forever in Philly's history. Other than that, what was your favorite moment? There's so many to choose from, Tucker. Like, when you think back a month of memories in, in which they won most games, there's a lot. I, I think mine was the Segura hit, which was basically like, you know, a foot outside on the ground against the Cardinals in Game two, Game 1 of that wildcard series because that felt like the moment where it all started to become real. They went from not winners to winners all of a sudden. And like, it, it just seemed impossible before that inning began that they could go on a run. And then they won that game. And it's like, maybe this is something's happening here. Yeah. I mean, a switch just flipped, yeah. right? Cause I distinctly remember sitting at home watching that game and going, well, you know, at least they made it. Right. And they're, they're at bats early in that game were atrocious. Jose Quintana was dicing up this lineup left and right. And then, they brought in Helsley, and he had a thumb issue and couldn't get anybody out, and they had to take him out, and they brought in another guy. And one thing led to another, and all of a sudden, in like 45 minutes, it went from it's over, they had a good run, season wraps up tomorrow, to wow, they could keep playing. Wow, they might have a home playoff mm-hmm. game. And it feels like a life. I mean, that was a month ago now. It feels like a lifetime ago. It was a month ago. Um, you're right. It, it does feel like All right, so what's yours? So my, my favorite moment was the Segura hit to take the lead versus the Cardinals. Yours? I think for me personally it was Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins coming out to throw the first pitch at game four. I like that. And just being at the World Series with my, my family, with my dad and my brother. I just, I don't know. I, I remember before that game I saw James Seltzer on the concourse. I saw you doing your show. And I say, you know, how could you ever be sad at the World Series? Can you believe, you know, no one ever thought we'd be here. It's a dream come true. It really is, right? If, if you're a kid and you grow up playing baseball or watching baseball, 
you want to be at the World Series. And there we all were at the World Series of the Phillies having a 2-1 lead. And my childhood hero comes out to throw the first pitch. And then that was it. I think I blacked out after that, and I don't remember anything else that happened. You know what? It may, may have been better if you actually blacked out because I think from there on they, they only had like they had less than 10 hits. Yeah, I mean, if you want to graph where the, the entire run peaked, I think it peaked right at that moment. Yeah, when you walked in the stadium. But that is a great moment, being there, experiencing it. Utley Rollins, the uh, the first pitch of Game 4. 215-592-9494. Frustration or pride? What are you feeling right now a couple days after the World Series ends? And your favorite moment, and, and we'll cue them up, and Tucker will play some of them for us. Your favorite moment. Do you want to hear the Segura moment? Oh, I of have course it. I do. It's my favorite moment. Let's hear it. Swing and a ground ball right side. It's under the glove of Edmund. It's in the right. The game is tied. Here comes Castellanos. He'll score. And the Phillies lead it in the ninth. Gene Segura has come through, and the Phillies have scored three times to take the lead on the Cardinals. You know what's amazing? A couple things about the call. Great call by Scott Fransky. The the jump by Segura when he, when he, the ball went through the infield. Like, he, that guy must have jumped 10 feet in the air. And the other thing that's great about it is I sense as time went on in the postseason, we started to expect some of these big moments to happen. But so did Scott Fransky. He sounded shocked Segura got that hit. I mean, the ball was like two feet outside. But he sounded shocked. Like I, He didn't sound as shocked to me when Bryce Harper at the home run or when, you know, they won game three or they came back in game one, it's almost like it built from there. That was the, that was the moment, the first moment they learned how to win. And then it just continued and escalated, escalated all the way to where it went. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. get you bored. Your favorite moment outside the Harper home run against San Diego. And which feeling is stronger right now is it the frustration or is it the pride, the sense of pride in this team and what they accomplished here in the postseason? Let's talk to Jason at Swedesboro. Hey, Jason. Hey, what's going on, Jeff? Jason, what's up, buddy? Uh, I, I want to say, I don't. I want to talk about uh, Eagles with you because I haven't got to all year, but I do want to say this about the Phillies. I'm very proud of them. I believed in them all year. I believed in them throughout the entire World Series, and I'm not going to lie. My, my, my thing that was like they're going to lose it was the Cassiatos coming up with the bases loaded. Well, a game five, I think, and I, he came up, and I was like, "If he gets a hit, we're winning the World Series. If he gets out in Castellanos fashion, we're going down in Philly fashion." And that's how it went. I, I knew it as soon as he got up. I was like, "This not, this is not happening." Yeah, and, and and it was tough to feel good in almost any of his at bats here, Jason. The whole postseason. Yeah, it, it really was. And I, you know, watching him go at, swing at low and away pitches throughout six months of the year was it? I I, I just that was. That was just unbelievable. Oh, it was awful. I don't want to talk about him anymore. I got I, I put him in the back of my mind because I, I'm proud of them no matter what. They went further than I expected. These Eagles, Joe, we haven't talked all year about them yet, and were we right about Jalen Hurts? Jason, oh, Jason I, I, if I recall, I think the night that I said that he would be an MVP candidate, I believe you were on board. Most said, most asked me if I was if I was on something, but I, I believe oh. you you said, yeah, I, I could see that. Oh, yeah, I was telling people before the season started, after I heard he went down to California with uh, the everybody, I said, you want you want the most value MVP bet, you better go put your money on Jalen Hurts. He's got he's definitely the most likely and the best value MVP in the market right now. And I was being told I was crazy in group chats. I was, I was being told, in Eagles group chats, I was being told I was crazy. And I was like, nah, he's the real deal. And, Joe, he has looked phenomenal. The Eagles as a team, I'm not scared of anybody. I think we're better than the Bills and Chiefs by actually a foot. Like, I think we have a step ahead of them. I think that they're both teams that have issues. I think I think Josh Allen has a mechanical issue when he, it comes down to, like, these high-pressure situations where it's simple throws, and he knows he has a cannon arm, but he doesn't take the right precautions. Like, the um, the game they lost where he missed the throw in the end zone. Yeah, the, the Miami game. The Miami game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it was uh, it was shown in t- Tua did it, too. I think it was two two. Third or fourth down, Tua misses, um, you know, the two passes, like big-time short underthrow passes. And then the Chiefs, you know, they just struggled against the, the Titans. They got taken to OT. And the Titans are a one-dimensional team, Joe. The Titans are not good. If we lose to them, it, it's a big problem on Gannon's part. Yeah, no, the Eagles, the Eagles would beat them, Jason. And, and, I mean, the Titans are extremely one-dimensional. Jason, appreciate the phone call. I mean, the Titans threw the ball. Like, they could put, like, five passes on Sunday night, and they were in the game. You know what's unbelievable? Not only are the Eagles undefeated. You know they haven't trailed in the second half at all. They're the only team in football. Every team in football has trailed in the second half at least three times. 
The latest the Eagles have trailed is with four minutes to go in the second quarter. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, these games, they haven't really been a sweat at all. We, we've just, we, like, it's been a sweat comparatively to other games. But, like, they, they, we've, they haven't been down. Like Tucker just said, they haven't been down in the second half of the game. And there's only, they're the only undefeated team. You know there's only one one-loss team right now? And that's the team they beat. And, and they beat them by three, t- three possessions. Yeah, this, they're the best team in the league right now. Will they be by February? I hope so. But they're the best team in the league right now. 215-592-9494. All right, I want to throw this in quickly because I'm sure it'll be part of our conversation. The Rob, the, the Rob Thompson conversation. By the way, Rob Thompson was, was screwed yesterday when he was not named a finalist for the Manager of the Year award. He he should have been a top three finalist. I understand. He's my manager of the year. That's right. Mine too. I understand if Buck Showalter was going to win, but come on. I mean, do you think it's because he's Canadian? I don't. Think- Is it like pres like you can't win Manager of the Year unless you're American? The same uh, way like you can't be elected president unless you're American. I would say that if that's true, baseball needs to ad- you know make an addendum to that rule because that feels you know not fair. But he wasn't listed as a top three finalist. He's not going to win the Manager of the Year award. Which okay, fine. But the 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 amount of people that are, are were just crushing Rob Thompson yesterday, and I understand the frustration. His move didn't work out. But I don't think, number one, it was as egregious as it's being made out to be. Now, look, a couple things. A lot of people yesterday when I was on with the camera were calling Wheeler the horse of the team. You're not a horse if you haven't thrown more than 85, 86 pitches in, in two months. Okay, maybe Zach Wheeler is the Phillies' best pitcher. They don't have a horse. A horse is a guy... Fifth, sixth, seventh inning, you're not worried if he's tired. Max Scherzer has been a horse in his career. Justin Verlander has been a horse in his career. Madison Bumgarner was a horse. Kurt Schilling was a horse. Okay, Zach Wheeler's not a horse. He has not pitched more than about 85 pitches in two months. So, yes, 70 pitches seems ridiculous. Take a pitcher out. Again, 70 is not far from his limit anyway. He's about an 85-pitch pitcher. Number two, this is the same Zach Wheeler. Remember the game in Atlanta in game two of the NLDS? He got an error and one guy got on base and then the whole inning went to hell. So we've watched the same pitcher have a little bit of a little bit of kind of adversity within an inning after he's cruising and then it goes off the rails. So like that's in the back of Rob Thompson's mind. And the strategy Rob Thompson uses is what he's used the entire postseason. I, I can't do the analytics are bad when the Phillies got here because they use analytics. It doesn't work like that. You gotta live by it, die by it. Now, if you don't like the move, I understand that. Wheeler was pitching well. I don't think it was a slam dunk. I wasn't sitting there at my TV saying, get him out. I'm not saying I'm like, I, I, I don't believe Rob Thompson made a great decision. But I also don't think, like, listen to this. Uh, Paul Hembegidi on ESPN. I actually like Paul. I think he's, he's really good at what he does. But, like, this is ridiculous what he said yesterday about Rob Thompson and about the annals of history with this move. Listen to this. Well, Rob Thompson's decision to remove Zach Wheeler from the sixth inning of that game after throwing 70 pitches is going to go down as one of the all-time gaffes in the history of the World Series. In my judgment, Greeny, it is the worst managerial decision that I have seen since Grady Little elected not to pull Pedro in Game 7 of the 2003 American League Championship Series. Why? Because Zach Wheeler is your best pitcher. He has been baseball's best pitcher over the last two seasons at 70 pitches. He's sitting at 97 miles per hour. He had not been challenged. Jordan Alvarez is coming up, who famously destroys left-handed pitching, destroys left-handed velocity, and you, Rob Thompson, got exactly what you deserve. You operated in fear. It was obvious to anyone watching in 2003 that Pedro was done. It was obvious to anyone watching that game on Saturday night that Zach Wheeler was not. Yeah, I got to tell you. There's no way that the Rob Thompson, Zach Wheeler, Jose Alvarado move will be discussed in the same stratosphere as Grady Little, Pedro Martinez 20 years from now. There's just no chance. Like, we might talk about it here the way we talk about Mitch Williams because this is the team, our team. That's what happens in Philadelphia. Nationally, there's not a chance anyone's going to bring this up. I I just, like, that wasn't an all-time gaffe. It was a questionable move that went the wrong way, and the better team won anyway. Tucker, do you th- like? I just feel like Rob Thompson's getting. It's just gone to a point where it's like, that's insane. I don't know. I just, I think there's so much revisionist history and so much hindsight right now when discussing the move, and rightfully so, because you can argue it cost them that game. But when you get nine hits in the last three games of the World Series, that's when you lose, right? Like they they lost yes. because their offense went 9 for 98 over the last three games of the series. They didn't lose because of that that move and, and giving up the three-run home run, although it didn't help. But in the moment, were you shocked? 
Like when, when Jordan Alvarez came up with runners on the corners, I went to the bathroom because I knew Jose Alvarado was coming in. Like So did I. If they had kept Zach Wheeler in, I would have been wide-eyed. I would have been, oh, my God, are you serious? That's what he did I, all— I can't believe they're doing this. Rob like, Thompson did it the entire postseason. They've done this the entire postseason. And, and it's worked. Had Jose Alvarado starting to become a little bit shaky, yeah, like his numbers in the postseason aren't going to look great because of that, because of his blow-up in Game 3 and even the home run he allowed in the first wild-card game to St. Louis. Like, like you look back at his, his run line, and it's not impressive, but— this is what they did. Like, they came into the series knowing that they were going to use Jose Alvarado the second or third time. Jordan Alvarez came up the entire series. If, you know what this is like to me, and then we'll go back to the phone lines here, 215-592-9494. This is the comparison I'll make. The, what, what the reaction that I saw, heard, Saturday night on the air with TK, yesterday with Joe DeCamera, and all the calls yesterday, and then, you know, throughout the day on, on WIP. This is like if Nick Sirianni, who is, is ultra-aggressive on fourth down, right? Just like Doug Peterson. This is the way the Eagles play. Fourth and two, they're usually going for it. Fourth and one, they're usually going for it. And we like it. You know why? It works. This is as if the Eagles go for it on fourth down in the third or fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and they don't get it, and they lose the Super Bowl. And then all day the next day or two, it's like, how could Nick Sirianni do that? What is he thinking doing that? That's what he does all the time. That's who he is. That's part of the reason why they're good. Like, and also, there is no guarantee Zach Wheeler gets gets Alvarez out. That guy's a great hitter. He might have taken Zach Wheeler out. I just think it's gone over the top. This is not Grady Little Pedro Martinez. This isn't an all-time, all-time gaffe. Is it even Kevin Cash, Blake Snell? I don't think it is. I, I just, the Phillies, here's what my theory is, and Rob Thomas will never say it out loud. I believe he pulled him in that moment for Alvarado because he was desperate for a strikeout because he didn't think his offense was going to score again and he wanted to try to win a one nothing game. And it backfired. Like, he was playing to, to try to get out of that inning unscathed, which is really hard to do. Runners up first to third in that spot. And Wheeler is not as good of a strikeout pitcher as Alvarado. That's my theory. Uh, just my guess. 215-592-9494. Alright, back to the phones. Frustration or pride? Which feeling is stronger? And give us your favorite moment of the postseason run. Other than the Harper home run, we'll get you up here. Chris is in Allentown. Hey, Chris. Yo, what's up, gentlemen? Good hey, talk. Chris. I'm enjoying the show, man. Thank um, you, buddy. That what's Nick, up? That, that, that Nick Sirianni analogy is very uh, – that's spot on, dude. I agree with that 100%. If, it, if he wasn't doing that at all throughout the entire postseason here, you know, then you would question that move. But I, he, 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 everything he did was gold. So you kind of got to let it ride. You know what I mean? Like, I don't blame Topper. I blame Wheeler for not opening his mouth. Like, yo, dude, leave me in. I get this batter. This is my batter. World Series. This is last game. I need to get this guy. This is mine. Wheeler should have manned up and and stayed and, and told the manager I'm staying. You know what, you Chris? Know what I, and that's it's an interesting point, though. I, I will point this out. So earlier that inning, the pitching coach came out. So once Rob Thompson walked out of the dugout, they had no choice, right? Like, that's the rule. The second visit, yeah. you got to pull him out. Like, I mean, they still could have talked, but he couldn't have changed his mind anyway. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I agree with you. But, I mean, I have absolutely 100% pride in this team. Uh, you know, I, I listen to other talk shows and stuff like that, and people are torching the Phillies, and, oh, it's been 13 years, the whole nine yards. You know, I can't be happy about this moment and not winning the whole thing. The hell with that. This was unexpected. My son looked at me when we were playing the San Diego, San Diego game, and he's like, Dad, I thought you said this team stinks last month. I said, dude, they, do, they, they did stink last month. They are playing great baseball right now. Me and him ended up getting down to game three, too, which was absolutely the most live event I've ever seen in my entire life. Best baseball game I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, that entire game is my highlight reel. I, that is my World Series. I won it in my head with my son. We have a memory we can share for the rest of our lives. He's 11 years old, by the way. Uh, cried on the cried on the first home run uh, by Bryce Harper hit, dude. Like, just tears in his eyes, dude. It was amazing. But, um, anyways, get back to my highlight, though. Reese Hoskins' bat slam. Chris, it was an amazing moment. And that that's so cool that you got to be there with your son. And, and Chris, we appreciate it, man. That, that's a lifetime of memories there. The, I, I knew early on when we discussed this we'd hear it. Here it was, game three against the Braves, Hoskins against Spencer Strider, the moment I think people really started to believe something special was happening. Two on, one out. And the pitch. Swung on! Did it! Crushed! And the Phillies are going to lead it! Four to nothing! A three-run home run for Reese Hoskins! 
his first postseason home run, and he's sprinting around third base. What a moment here at Citizens Bank Park. Wow. You know what my favorite part about that is? How loud the crowd was before the home run. That sounded loud when you started to play it. Like, the home run had not been hit yet. It was loud in there. No, I think what kind of gets lost, and it's only been a month, but they went up early, right? Bryson Stott hit that double. Yep. And then you uh, Schwarber walked. They intentionally walked Schwarber to get to Hoskins. Mm -hmm. Who was struggling at that point. And then Spencer Strider laid a 93-mile-per-hour meatball right over the center of the plate, and... The place absolutely exploded. It was so loud. I was out there in left field, um, in, stand, in the standing room area behind you know left field seats, and when that ball went off the bat, it was like, oh my goodness, he crushed it. Casey is up on WIP. Hey, Casey. Hey, listen, I got your slogan for uh, the Joe Giulio Show is the graduate school of sports radio where intellectual capital abounds. How about that? Okay. I don't know if that fits on like an in, uh, on like a business card, but I like it, Casey. It I like bio. it because you know what? Us intellectuals that talk sports come to this show. It's often been said, king. yeah, the evening show is is the the, the smartest uh, audience on Absolutely. WIP. People say that. I yeah. love it. Yep. And you and Howard together. I swear to God, the two of you against any two on the planet, you're gonna win. I swear to God, the two of you have this awesome chemistry because he's older than you and stuff. But the way you guys handle, oh, my God, you're just, you're just a machine. The two of you together. Do you understand? Am I the only one that notices this? You guys are a, magical together. Well, we, we appreciate it, Casey. Man, I, I always appreciate it. Listen, what's on your mind? What are you thinking here on the film? Okay, films? let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I was a Syracuse fan in 87 when they lost in the last five seconds. You know, and I used to go to games. I, it would rip me apart. So I didn't, never got over that one. But let me say this. My belief is I'm totally proud. I'm proud to be an adopted Philadelphia sports fan and so forth. So I got to pinch myself every morning to think I'm still, you know, in reality, just to have this city with all these great teams and these six division one college basketball teams. Are you kidding me? So I love the Phillies. I was here in 08. I remember all the praise and it's so beautiful, the whole city and how they love their sports teams. And I think it's a miracle. I think this is the greatest sports town in the world. And I'm so proud just to be here. And so this Philly team, when they do good, any of the teams do good, it's icing on the cake for me. I grew, I grew up in AAA baseball, Rochester, New York. Come on. This is dying and going to heaven. And when the team goes good like this, that's uh, that's excitement in the crowds. That's what it's all about. It's just civic pride. It's so sports just bring us a lifeblood of this city. I moved here because of this. I love Philadelphia. The Eagles fly. I love every team up the Sixers. And, um, you know, come on. I love it, and we got to be proud. What a, what a run. It's entertainment. It's pride. It's sports. And the thing is, these bandwagon friends don't understand. This is not a VMBA where LeBron James won 24 consecutive Eastern Conference playoff series, you know? He was in eight straight finals. This is not basketball or football where the 49ers were 14-2 and two every year with the Super Bowls. This is baseball, where the best team loses one out of three games and the worst team wins one out of three. Well, you're right about Anything that. Anything yeah. can happen. It's a crap shoot. Yeah, Come well, on. October is, Casey. I mean, you're right about that. Casey, what was I your... love you guys. Come on. Keep going, baby. Casey, you're appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate... You and Howard are the king. And the... <laughs> Casey, we appreciate it. Great stuff by Casey. Um, it's not football, and it's not basketball. I mean, that's. I think that's what Tucker was trying to get at earlier, why there's a disappointment there, because... They can be better, and I think they will be a little bit better next year. I and mean, if they land Trey Turner, um, you know, or whatever, Bogarts or or Correa, they're going to be a better team. And they could have Andrew Painter, who looks like a special pitching prospect in this rotation at some point next season. That doesn't guarantee anything. And the Dodgers won 111 games; they got knocked out in four games in the playoffs. So that that's where I think the disappointing part comes in, is they were very close to almost stealing or like kind of sliding in the back door and running away with a championship. Yeah, and I just – it's not guaranteed. I mean, obviously the Dodgers won 111 games. They were out. The Mets and Braves each won over 100 games. They only won one game in the postseason apiece. I mean, baseball with the these shorter series, especially early on in the playoffs now, it lends itself to upsets. And if the Phillies go into the playoffs next year, I mean, think about the teams they beat. You know, if they beat the Braves who are, you know, interested in more top-tier – pitching and free agents 
You don't think the Braves are going to have a little extra motivation to knock off the Phillies? Sure. If they go in and they play the Padres again next year, and who may have Fernando Tatis Jr. back, you don't think they're going to have a little extra motivation? I mean, I'm not saying these teams took the Phillies lightly, but the Phillies aren't going to be an underdog anymore. Or if they are, they're not going to be an underdog that's slept on. No, well, that's for sure. Not after what they accomplished this this October. 215-592-9494. We'll come back. Your phone calls here. The frustration versus the pride. Which one's stronger for you right now? We'll hit that. Your favorite moment other than the Harper home run in the postseason. We'll play the call for it. And I'm going to rank the shortstops. The Phillies are going to be connected to these shortstops once uh, this all opens up and free agency really gets started here. I'm going to rank the shortstops in my order of preference, who I'd sign. Obviously, the money is going to be different. They're all not going to get paid the same. They're all going to be expensive players. But I think the Phillies have enough payroll and enough want to to go out and land a, one more star player to fit in this lineup, make this lineup longer and better. Shortstop feels like the right position. Hit that next when we come back. I'll rank the shortstop. Who do I have at the top? Who do I have at the bottom? of the possible guys and a wild card, a possible trade I'll throw in there as well. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard Sports Radio 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 